Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. For message notes and links to big things going on at Hope, check out the notes section below. When you're done listening to this episode, take a minute to follow us here, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and download our free app. From there, you can find all of our recent message content, additional resources, and more. If you like what you hear today, we encourage you to share this with your friends or family. Enjoy. What's going on, Hope family? How we doing? Man, it's so good to be with you. Hey, this week we are wrapping up a series that we are calling A King and a Kingdom. And I'm telling you, I believe this weekend is going to be a weekend of momentum for us as a church. Uh, just to give you a, a little bit of background, if you don't know, uh, we're in the middle of this series, uh, ultimately because uh, we're convinced that there's so much more going on in the world around us than we realize. You know, I mean, when you stop and you slow down long enough, you realize that there's hurt and there's fear and there's brokenness and there's anxiety. And this series is all about just stopping for a minute, taking a deep breath and asking the question, hey, what the heck is going on around us right now? And what are we supposed to do as a church? And so in week one, uh, we actually lifted up as high as we possibly could that there's actually a war that's going on around us. And there's not really a war that we can see, but while we can't see it, you need to make no mistake. There is a war and there is an enemy and there is a target. Okay, and the target is you and the target's me. And I know... That, that, that a word like war can be unsettling, okay? But, but I want to be very clear. Uh, this is not my word, okay? Th- this is a word that, that the Bible uses to describe where we are in this world. In, in the Bible, I was talking to Aaron Nelson this week, and he kind of said it like this. He says, the Bible loves us enough uh, to actually help us see clearly what it is that's going on around us. Uh, Paul clearly says in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, Put on all of God's armor so that you can stand firm against the strategies of the devil. All right, so we have an enemy. It's the devil. And he has strategies to take us out. But he goes on to say, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, right? You remember we said we're not talking about fighting our neighbors that have uh, maybe flags in their yard that we're not for, or different yard signs. We're not talking about the elephant versus the donkey here. Okay, that's not what this is about. He says, we're fighting against evil rulers and authorities, listen, of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So he says, hey, look, don't forget, we have this physical realm, and then we also have the spiritual realm, and they actually coexist in the same spaces. That's what it's talking about. It's like, it's not heavenly realms like out there. It's all happening in the same place at the same time. So there is this war But while there's a spiritual war, it actually has ramifications for us where we are physically. And so it's ramifications like broken families, like kids being in unhealthy places. We talked about dealing with addiction and suicide at all-time highs. Um, I think we mentioned uh, crimes that are going on, like human trafficking, sex trafficking. It's a real thing, and it's going on. But as we elevated that there's a war going on around us between two kingdoms, you remember what we said we need to do? We need to take notice and we need to take a side. Like we need to make a decision. And for the last few weeks, we've just been talking about our battle plan as a church. Like what are our strategies and what are our tactics and what does it mean to take a side with Jesus and live out his kingdom? And so over the last few weeks, we've been lifting up like, hey, in week one, we said we need to live obediently by knowing Jesus' word and remaining in him. If we're going to say Jesus is our king, we have to obey our king. Uh, we need to connect intentionally with others in community. We need to get away from isolation. We need to serve selflessly. Others who are in need, we need to give generously back to the God who's given us everything. And this week, 
As we wrap up this series, we're going uh, to take a look at the last piece of our game plan by addressing our call to share willingly the hope that we have in Jesus. And I got to tell you, as I was preparing for this week, uh, I didn't expect to come in and like have the conviction uh, that I have around this. I mean, we say we're going to live obediently in kind of the next three, uh, you know, connect intentionally, serve selflessly, give generously. Those are kind of aspects of that. But if you think about it, we do all of those things for the opportunity to be able to share willingly the hope that we have in Jesus with the rest of the world. And uh, I want to start really this section by asking a question. What would you do if it was up to you? What would you do if it depended on you? What would you do if it depended on you? And I want you to know, when I wrote down this question in my journal, I didn't realize when I said it out loud, it would sound like it was straight out of a Dr. Zeus book, okay? So just give me a little bit of grace there. But what would you do? You know, you ask a question like that, and I know there's usually like two groups of people, there's kind of this pendulum. There's one side over here that's like, hey, that sounds like a big question, and I have no idea what it is. Like, what are you saying depends on me? So I've got some questions before I jump in. And then you've got the complete other side of the pendulum that kind of has... Some, some rowdy people like me that says, I don't really know what you're asking, but it sounds like a lot of fun. And so I'm all in. I'm going to sign up. I've got some questions. But most of us find ourselves kind of somewhere in the middle. But I want to set the stage by letting you know that when it comes to what's going on in the world around us and how we're supposed to respond as a church, we have a greater responsibility than what most of us realize. And uh, the disciples got a good taste of this. Uh, in the book of Matthew in chapter 28. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and turn there. We're going to put the verses uh, up on the screen. But to set the stage, chapter 28, you've got Jesus, and he's with his disciples, okay? He's on this mountain, side of a mountain in Galilee. And at this point, Jesus has already been, he's already risen from the grave, right? Like he's clearly been born. He's healed sick people. He's cast out demons. Uh, He's declared that he is the son of God. He's performed miracles not the least of which is dying and then coming back to life. But, but at this point, if you remember back to week one, the disciples had already ascribed Jesus as their king. Remember Jesus, he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, who do you say that I am? And he said, Peter, I, he said, Jesus, I, I think you're him. I think you're the king. I, I think you are the one who's came to put all this brokenness back together. I think you're the one who's come to establish this new kingdom on earth. So, so, so they understood that there was a war. They understood that there was a king. They knew what was at stake, and they knew that Jesus had just overcome sin and death, and they're waiting on a game plan. It's like, okay, this guy's just overcome sin and death. What are we going to do next? This is a big moment. Um, Chapter 28, verse 18. It says, Jesus came and he told his disciples, I've been given all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth. Why is that significant? You know there's a battle going on. Right? We just heard in Ephesians, you know, Jesus knew this, disciples knew this. There's this battle with these authorities of the unseen world. And they knew that. And, and at this point, um, our enemy, if we could just be honest, our enemy, while this happens in the heavenly realms, he's actually made some impact in our lives, right, in the physical realm. Uh, most of us who've been on planet Earth for any time period, we kind of, kind of walk with a limp a little bit. I mean, we've been through some stuff around here. We know that. Uh, 
he's kind of created this cosmic chaos. If you go all the way back to Genesis 3, the serpent shows up, devil shows up, he tempts Adam and Eve, and he gets them to believe this lie that maybe they know more than God does. And so sin enters the world, and when sin enters the world, death soon follows. And I need you to know that, that death has always been the ultimate trump card that our enemy holds over us, physically and spiritually. From the moment that sin entered the world, Mankind experiences this spiritual death, this spiritual separation from God, and then physical death is a byproduct of that. Well, Jesus is just taking care of both of those. I mean, he went to a cross, he paid for our sins, and then he rose from the grave, overcoming sin and death for whoever it is that believes in him. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, our enemy doesn't have any authority. And I want you to know that I've been given all authority on heaven and on earth. And he's saying everything that needs to be taken care of has been taken care of for the rest of this war. But it doesn't always feel that way, does it? Like we can tell there's still something going on around us in the world. And and I want to recognize like in a church this size uh, that has the reach that it has, there are a lot of people that have made a decision to follow Jesus. But I also know there's a lot of people that still have ongoing sin struggles. And I know that because you have a heart that's beating and, and you have breath in your lungs. Like that's a real thing. But there's also a lot of men and women and students that we struggle with this ongoing sin, with this, but more than that, with this ongoing shame and this ongoing guilt and this own condemnation. And, and I just want you to know that we, we do still have an enemy. And while our enemy has been defeated, Right? Our enemy's been defeated. He doesn't have any authority. I do want you to know, he, he's not been destroyed. There will be a day where our enemy will be destroyed that hasn't happened yet. And so while he doesn't have any authority over us, he actually still has access to us. And that access is actually something that we grant to him sometimes by the decisions that we make, the things that we listen to, the lies that we believe. But I, I, I say all this just to say this. I believe that there's someone that can hear my voice this weekend that needs to hear that that voice that you're hearing is saying that you are defeated, that you are hopeless, that you are defined by your past. I want you to know that's coming from a liar. Okay, our enemy's a liar. He's always been a liar, and he's always going to be a liar. And Jesus says, listen, I have all the authority and I define who you are based on your belief and who I am and what I've done. You've been set free. He has the authority. So he says, listen, guys, I've got all the authority. So if you imagine, this is like a coach, okay? He comes in. He's like, this might be one of the last times that I talk to you guys face to face. And he says, now, verse 19, now that you are aware that I am king and I have all authority, I grant you a life of luxury, free from peril, with no challenges. Anybody else, anybody experience that in life? Yeah, that's, that's not what it says. <laughs> that's not what it says. Remember when I said we have a greater responsibility than I realized? How many of us would like it to say that? Anybody want to be honest enough to show hands? Yeah, yeah, that's not what he says. He says, okay, here's the deal. I have all authority. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always until the ends of the age. That's... That's a responsibility, 
Okay, and I'm gonna, I just wanna, I wanna hit a few words really quickly. Um, Therefore, go. So we have a responsibility to go. To go and do what? To make disciples. I know that's a big word. We might not know what that means if you don't. A disciple is really just someone who's made a decision to follow after Jesus. Okay, it's someone who said, I've made a decision that I trust Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior and as my King, and I'm gonna follow him. So make disciples. Baptize them. Okay, baptism is just a symbol where we actually go under the water, identifying with Jesus in, in, in his death, dead to our sin and our old way of life. We come up out of the water, a, a representative of our new life in Christ. He says, baptize them and then teach them to obey everything that I've commanded. We actually have a responsibility to teach people what it is that Jesus has taught us. So I just want to highlight that. Like if you hear nothing else, that's what that passage means. Okay, we could go, but there's more. So hang, <laughs> hang out. Jesus is saying, fellas, here's the game plan. I've invested in you, and now I want you to go out, and I want you to tell everybody else that I'm the son of God, I paid for their sins, and I've overcome death, and I want you to invite them into this new kingdom with me as their king. Can you imagine what the disciples would have been thinking? Like, wait, hold on, hold on a minute, wait, uh, say what? <laughs> like, you, you just overcame death. We've been waiting this whole time for this new kingdom, and you're sounding like you're going to leave. And you said, I'll be with you always. That's what you said. But that sounds a little bit like when somebody says, hey, I can't make it to your birthday party, but I'm going to be with you in spirit. We all know, no, you're not, okay? You're not going to be with me in spirit. Now, that's different. Jesus did send his Holy Spirit, okay? I'm not, that's not heresy. Jesus really is with us. But, I mean, they know something is up. Right? Like, what in the world are they thinking? And just so you know, up until this point, Jewish people, like, they realized, their theology said they were blessed to be a blessing, that it would overflow into the world around them. But this is the first time it's like, wait a minute, so now we're supposed to actually intentionally go to other places. He says, invite them into this new kingdom life with me as their king, and then baptize them. I'm so convinced that we don't take this call as responsibly as we should. I mean, Jesus, he's here, he's his final marching orders. He could tell them anything in the world that he wants to tell them. He says, I'm going to be with you, but you need to go. John 20, 21, it kind of highlights about the same period, different gospel, but about the same time period in Jesus' life. He says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. Okay, so there's this battle that's raging around us. We all know that. People are stuck and they're suffering. And God's plan A to save the world is the church. And I don't mean like the church, like the church up on the stage or the church building. I mean like you and me as followers of Jesus. And there is no plan B. So when we realize that we're in a war and we realize that the world around us needs to change, like we we hold up a mirror and you say it's us. Like there's no one else. There's Jesus and there's us. We have a responsibility. And we think sometimes... um, Maybe it's the professional Christian's job to tell other people about Jesus. And I get this. Like the church is kind of guilty of promoting this a bit. But what we think, if I live my life the way that I'm supposed to, um, maybe somebody will look at my life and um, I have an opportunity to invite them to church and somebody else can tell them about Jesus. Listen, you should do that. Okay, I want each and every one of you that can hear my voice to be at a physical campus next week. And I want you to bring two people. We're kicking off a great series. I think you should be here. But at the same time, we got to realize like that, that's actually not what Jesus is saying here. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, fellas, it's game time, and the game plan is for you to go and tell the world. And I want to ask you a question. What would happen 
what would have happened if they hadn't done it. Because these are real people. Like, this is not a bedtime story. Like, would we be here? Would your family have the hope that it has? And I asked you this question at the beginning. What would you do if it depended on you? You think about this for a minute. We know the world is hurting. And you know that we have the answer that if we're honest, and I'm saying we, like I'm stepping into this with everybody else. Um, why, don't, why don't we share it the way that we should? Why don't we go the way that we should? And uh, best I can tell, there's, there's a couple reasons. One, we might be afraid, right? Like this world is not necessarily like, hey, we love the church. Like you don't turn on the news. And like the church is doing great things and we love their theology and we love what they're for. We don't do that. And so there's kind of probably this fear and uh, maybe a fear that we get canceled. I've talked about that before. before. You guys know what I think about that. So be it. It's probably going to happen at some point. But we're fearful. And, uh, but the Bible is filled with challenges to us in places of fear. Like you go to Joshua, it says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear, be strong and courageous. It says that perfect love casts out fear. And, and I want you to know, like Jesus, I don't want to say Jesus was afraid, but like there was a time before Jesus went to the cross, he was like, if there's any other way, would this cup pass? But there wasn't. And best I can tell, Jesus was willing to die for it. And so like we, we do have to realize there might be something in there that's, that like causes some conflict for us, but... You don't have a, we don't have a whole lot of people telling us these days that sometimes we just got to do hard things. Um, I think another reason that we don't talk about it and that we don't actually take seriously the call that we have to go is um, I think a lot of times we just kind of forget what's at stake. I mean, I tell you, one of the strategies I'm convinced of our enemy is that he just keeps us busy. He keeps us distracted. He keeps us focused on other things. So we go to work, we raise our kids, we do this, we do that, we got our stuff, no big deal. But we lose sight of what's going on. Um, I lost, a, I lost a, a good friend of mine this past week. And, uh, but God, I hope he would say that, that we were good friends. This guy, and, and I'm going to keep some of the details back because his family's still dealing with it, but uh, he lived in the town of Garner, one of the greatest servants of his community that I've ever met in my entire life, okay? Um, but the way he, he was found was he was, people realized he wasn't somewhere where he normally is, and so they went to his house, and he was sick, and he was in bed, and he had this infection, so they immediately hooked him to ICU. And two days later, he passed away. And I'm like, man, goodness gracious, how were people, like, not a little bit closer to him? But, but that story, I mean, that's like a metaphor of what's going on in the majority of the people's lives who walk around this earth in their lives spiritually. Like people are walking around literally like this close to death. Hopelessness, anxiety, fear, broken homes. Man, we put on a good front on the outside, but the reality is that is not where people are. Um, that's heavy long enough. Let me make fun of myself for a minute. <laughs> um, tell you a story. I, uh, I have recently gotten into like holistic health, 
okay? So I'm constantly studying right now, like life hacks, uh, best nutrition practices, uh, how, how, do you, uh, how do you balance glucose levels and keep them consistent for a long period of time. So, and I've always loved health and fitness, but like my wife would say, okay, this is different. This is a little obnoxious. Um, but like, how do you weight train for overall health given your age? I'm looking at how do you uh, put work in like ice plunges and saunas into your overall routine? What are the best practices to stay on top of my mental and psychological health? A lot of energy, listening to podcasts, reading books, the whole thing. Um, but here's the deal. Like, it's making a difference, and I feel better. I mean, like, a lot better. And if you know my life, if you know me, like, the last five years of my life has not been easy. Like, there's been challenges, but I feel better, and I feel so much better that I actually want, I believe everybody on the planet needs to know it, and I want to tell them about it. So if you ask me, I'm going to tell you. And if you don't ask me, I still might tell you. That's the, that's the old joke. How do you know for sure if someone is a vegan or a CrossFitter? They'll tell you. You just got to wait. Like, you just wait, and they're going to tell you. But it's making such a difference. And we actually spent some time on some of our segments on our new podcast, Hope in Real Life, talking about it, which, by the way, if you haven't checked that out, you should check it out. Um, season one uh, is in the books, but you can check the whole thing out. We're about to start producing season two. Check it out. Share it with other people. But it Man, if something has made a difference in your life, you want other people to know it. What I realized this week is when we're passionate about something, we have no problem telling other people about it. And so what are we passionate about? Like if we had the cure to cancer, how evil would it be to not share it with the rest of the world? And we literally have the solution to sin and shame and hopelessness. And Jesus is saying, would you go and tell the world? Um, This is cool. A better translation of um, go... Uh, is probably as you are going. And so the reality is that you, you don't even necessarily have to go far. At Hope, we say, hey, wherever you live, learn, work, and play, that's where God has planted you. <laughs> For those listening online, some type of phone alarm just went off. Um, hey, so, like, we don't have to go far. Like, God has placed us right where we are, that we're supposed to come alongside of people right where we are, put our arm around them, and love them where they are, and point them to Jesus. Now, some people should go, okay? And that's, that is a different sermon, but as a church, we believe in global missions. Um, we should make disciples going of all nations. We have an incredible Global Hope ministry team here. Dawn Stride oversees that ministry. We're seeing tremendous things happen along, around the world. But at the end of the day, the point is, is not where, but it's as you are going, make disciples. What would you do if it depended on you? Do you know what it is just yet? It's someone else's relationship with Jesus. And we are called to share willingly the hope that we have in Jesus. That's a call that we have in our life. and We don't have to have all the answers. Uh, We don't have to be Bible scholars. And the reality is it actually doesn't all depend on you because Jesus did say, I will be with you until the end of the age. But we do have a responsibility ourselves. He did say, as you're going, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them what I've commanded. Straight from Jesus. We're in the middle of a war. Families are under attack. And God has placed you right where he wants you to love your neighbor, to love your coworker, to love your teammate, even if you don't like them. (laughs) That's what he's called us to. God's placed you right where you are. I gave you some stats to open up this series, okay? Some stats about addiction, about suicide, about human trafficking. All of those are terrible. Uh, I want to share another stat with you. There's over 5.6 billion people on planet Earth that don't know who Jesus is. 
They don't follow Jesus with their life. How do you know that? Well, most stats say that there's over 8 billion people on the planet. It says that less than 30%, just under 30% actually proclaim Jesus as their Savior. So that means there's over 70% that don't know Jesus. 70% of just over 8 billion, if my math is correct, I'll hear about it later if I'm wrong, is just over 5.6 billion people that, listen, if they died today, they would be eternally separated from God in a place called hell. And this is not a fire and brimstone message. Like, I'm intentionally talking as calm and as clearly as I can. Like, this is just a logical conversation, a rational conversation that we need to have and that we need to be aware of. And I know it's not a popular thing to talk about, but again, like, it's not my words. It's what the Bible says, man. And people are, are headed for disaster. And that's headed for disaster. That doesn't even talk about the potential hell and guilt and shame that they're actually feeling in their life right now, walking through life, this side of eternity, without a relationship with Jesus. Jesus has done the heavy lifting. He took our penalty. He died our death. He, he, he rose from the grave. But as the Father sent him, he sends us. Again, my question at the beginning, if it depended on you, what would you do? And I hope you'd say, I would share willingly the hope that I have in Jesus. I'd share Jesus with them. I'd share the gospel with them, the good news of what Jesus did for them. And if they made a decision, I'd baptize them and I'd teach them. It ain't much, but I'll teach them everything that I know <laughs> of what it means to follow Jesus. And so I hope that that's where every single one of us that follow Jesus would land. And so if that is where you land, let me ask you this. Who's your one? Who's your one? What if each one of us who called Hope Community Church home believed in this call to share willingly the hope that we have in Jesus so much that we had one person whose name that we wrote down? And we prayed and we sought after God every single day that he would give us an opportunity to love them, to serve them, and to share with them the hope that we have in Jesus. And not just to do that, but to have the opportunity. Let's get real specific, okay? The enemy has some strategies. Can, I mean, we can have some strategies that we would be able to baptize them at a Hope campus and celebrate together by the end of 2024. One year, one person, who's your one? Could we take it that seriously? And so right now, I want to ask you to think about who's the one person that's close to you but far from God. And uh, you're already arguing with God about the fact that there's no way they would ever say yes. <laughs> and I want you to know I've been there and I've seen that and I've had a one before that I've, I've like, I cannot believe. Like I just thought we were doing what we were supposed to do, but I didn't really know that God would show up. And when it does, man, it's such a celebration. And they've been baptized here at, at, uh, at the Raleigh campus where I'm standing right now and their family ended up serving. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. But you don't have to be a theologian or a pastor. Um, in fact, you know this. In today's world, it's probably better that you're not. Um, I heard it said this week, it's not our responsibility to save people, it's our responsibility to share with people. We love people, we serve them, and we share willingly the hope that we have in Jesus. If every man, woman, and student who called Hope Community Church home, if they did this, um, next year at this time, we would be a church uh, on the weekend impacting some 12,000 people. And I don't know if any church has ever done that, like, like that quickly. But, and I don't say that because I want us to be a big church. The truth, I, don't, I don't mean this in any way. I don't really care about being a big church. I think, I think years ago, I was church, planted a church out of hope. And I thought, we're going to be bigger than hope. Um, I had no idea what we were doing. Um, 
But man, here's what I, here's what I believe the call is, <laughs> is to be a biblically faithful church. But here's what I do know about a church of 12,000. That means there's 12,000 men, women, and students um, who have more hope in their lives whose children have a greater opportunity to, to, to thrive. I mean, that means there's 12,000 men, women, and students who are now taking a step of faith into impacting and meeting the needs of our community. Who's your one? Um, I, what would you do if it depended on you? Because it does. Um, that's the fifth mark. If we were, if this was just a normal weekend, we'd wrap up right here and uh, and we'd go home. That's the battle plan for us as a church. So, so that's the fifth mark. Uh, we live obediently. This is the battle plan. This is our strategy. This is our tactics. We live obediently. Uh, we connect intentionally. We serve selflessly. We give generously, and we share willingly the hope that we have in Jesus. And. Uh, that's what we as Hope Community Church are going to do. That's what we are going to do to live out this kingdom uh, that, that our King Jesus has established. And, but this is kind of where things change a little bit. Like this is kind of the momentum building opportunity. You're going to have a decision to make and you have an opportunity to decide, hey, am I all in with this crazy group of people at Hope Community Church? And uh, I thought about sharing a motivational story. You know, I, mean, I even did some research. What, what are some times over the course of human history that so a group of people have gotten together and done something big? And I thought, okay, maybe I can share the story. I think it was like in the 1960s where John F. Kennedy, like he rallied the whole nation and he said, we're going to be on the moon by the end of the decade. I thought, well, maybe like the early 1900s. Um, I think it was Theodore Roosevelt. He kind of led the charge on the Panama Canal. Thought about different sports teams and dynasties. And, but the truth is, like when I thought through these stories, I, I kept coming to this place. I was like, man, they, these aren't big enough. Like it's just not big enough. And I'm telling you, I, I, and this isn't about me, but I have this conviction inside of me. And, and I know our, our elders do and our staff does. And I talk to different people who have been around Hope for a while and are deeply invested. It's like you get this sense that God wants to do something through this church that you can't put words to. Like what we're experiencing right now is the tip of the iceberg of what he wants to see happen. And so I'm like, man, it's just not big enough. And so I thought, what about this story? Eleven guys sitting on the side of a mountain in Galilee. And they're with their king. And he calls them into something big. And it's so big and it's so mind-blowing and it's scary. And they think, I, I don't know how we can do that. I mean, to do that, it's going to cost us something. It's scary. We're, we're going to have to say no to some of our personal preferences. But they knew what was at stake. Like they knew there were other men and women and children that were experiencing a war where lives were being taken and eternity was at stake. And so you know what they did? They said, yes. They said, we're going to do this. We're going to live obediently to our king. We're going to connect intentionally with one another and get each other's backs. We're going to serve other people, even if we don't like them. We're going to give generously to this thing. And we are going to share willingly the hope that we have in Jesus. And because they said yes, some 2,000 years later, there's a church with like six to 10,000 people across its campuses that are having a conversation right now about a war that's going on around them. And they need to take notice and they need to take a side. 
And across those campuses, some of us are young, some of us are old, some of us are students, some of us are professionals, some of us are, I mean, let's just be honest, some of us are very wealthy, rich, some of us, I know, I, I know your story, some of us are in a place right now of desperate need, but every single one of us have found a hope in our King, in Jesus Christ. And so far, by the way, this whole story is true. <laughs> I mean, this is us, right? But where does it go from here? Where does it go? We have to make a decision. And I'll tell you what my prayer is. My prayer is that each and every one of us would double down on what it means to follow Jesus as their king and to live out this kingdom. And so um, my invitation to you is to recognize what's going on around us and say, okay, I understand this, and say, I'm going to go all in with Hope Community Church and join with them on this mission. And you say, well, what does that mean? (laughs) Okay, so outside of the foundation of the gospel, all right, we got to be clear on that. That's the foundation. It simply means that we're going to commit to living to these five things together. But I think we live in a time right now where it means like we can't just say, yeah, we're going to do it. Like it would be easy for me to say, yeah, so what we're going to do is each one of us are going to pick one of those areas and we're going to do just a little bit more. That's not going to get it done. It's not going to get it done with where the world is right now. Every single one of us have rooms, myself included, where I need to live more obediently by knowing Jesus, his word, and remaining. I have areas that I need to, to move closer towards obedience to my king. Um, I tell you what, I called two people this week because I was having a rough week and saying, listen, I just need to be honest with you to connect intention. I got, I got some stuff going on in my life and I'm in a dark place. I'm not in a good spot and I want to be honest with you so you can encourage me and so that you can hold me accountable that I don't go off the rails. We need to double down on what it means to serve selflessly. I'm so thankful that a few weeks back, we had over 150 people across all of our campuses say, hey, I'm going to serve selflessly and I'm going to jump in to a ministry team. And hope That's incredible, but can, can I just, can I be honest, can I politely say, man, we're a church we, of who knows how big, but on average week in attendance right now, 6,000 people. I want to lovingly exhort you to realize there's some folks, there's some of us that are holding back. Giving generously back to the God who gave us everything. I'm so thankful. Last week, over 40 people made a decision um, for the first time to join with us, to partner with us as a church financially, and for the first time, give to the mission and vision that we have here at Hope. That's incredible. But man, again, (laughs) 20% growth over the, the last 12 months. The, the, the generosity is not pointing in the same direction to the same extreme. We're trying to say right now, we're trying to launch a campus in Fuquay. So through Hope Where You Are, we're trying to raise a million dollars over 60 days. We've got about four weeks left, and we're looking at still, still looking to raise about $600,000. Some of us need to step up and say, listen, I'm going all in. We're going to see this thing happen. We've got to say we're going to share willingly the hope that we have in Jesus. We're going to know who our one is. Um, Gosh, I feel like I've mentioned Aaron Nelson's name like 20 times in service. But he mentioned this week, D.L. Moody, he, this gentleman walked around with a list in his pocket of 100 names that he would pray for them daily, that they would come to know Jesus. By the time he died, 96 of them had come to a relationship with Jesus. And at his funeral, the last four did. Would we be a church <laughs> that took seriously the call and the responsibility that God has given to us? He's with us but he calls us to go.
When you came in, uh, you, you, you got a card. And I would like to ask you to take it out. And if you're listening online, then I'm sure somewhere in the browser or in a box somewhere you can read what to do. But across all of our campuses, I want you to take that card out. And um, here's what's going to happen. The band is going to come out, all right, and they're going to lead us in one more song to respond in worship. But before they actually sing, they're going to give you a couple minutes. All right, so you're going to have some time. I want you to text all in to that number on the card. Or I want you to scan that QR code, and it's going to take you to a link. If you're saying, I'm all in, I want you to take this step now while you're with us. And it's just going to ask you a couple questions. You're going to get some resources sent to you that kind of help you know how to take a step in each um, one of those areas. We're not going to ask for your social security number. Don't worry. Um, But scan that code. Take the time to do that. And then I want you to tear this off. And then on this top part that says, I'm all in, if you've still got time and if you've got a pen, I want you to write down the name of who your one is. And then during this time of worship across all of our campuses, we're going to bring these cards forward and we're going to lay them on the front of the stage like an altar. And we're going to say we're all in. And then we're going to collect these cards. And I want you to know in our next elder meeting, we're going to pray over these cards. And we're going to pray for the families that they represent to bring them forward. We're going to pray over the names. And if you have another need or something that you want to trust God for, I encourage you to write that on there. And we're going to pray for these cards. And we're going to have a time of response together. This is representative of us saying we're going all in and living out the, king that Je- the kingdom that Jesus died to set in motion. And I want you to know this is, um, this is not something that somebody's just asking you to do. Um, our elders, our staff, our leadership here at Hope, um, as for me um, and my family, um, we're going all in for his glory and for his kingdom. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and encourage you to share it with your friends and family. If you live in the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, we'd love to meet you at one of our weekend gatherings. For campus locations, service times, and information on our children and student environments, check out gethope.net. To make sure you don't miss our next message, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. We would like to invite you to support what we are doing by visiting gethope.net slash give. Through generosity of people like you, Hope can run programs like our food pantry, homework club, project classroom, and many more.